I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying about this year? And the Lord just dropped this thing into my spirit the other day as I was just thinking and praying about this. He just simply said those three letters, G-P-S. So I just began to write these things down, and I'm just going to share from my heart what I believe God is saying to us as the body of Christ this year. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come it will not tarry. I believe that we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Revelation 2.11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This command is repeated 15 times in the New Testament. I believe for something to be repeated that often in the New Testament, we need to take heed and we need to learn how to develop the discipline of hearing what the Lord is saying. Some would say, does God speak today? Well, the Bible says, Hebrews 3, 7 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice. He speaks in numerous ways. He speaks through the word of God. That's the first and foremost way that we hear God's voice to us is through the Bible. The Bible is actually the litmus test for anything that we hear. If we hear something that's contrary to the word of God, then I don't believe that it's from the Lord. Secondly, we can hear the voice of God through the, God's still, small voice. That's that inaudible voice that comes and speaks into our spirits. God speaks directly to us into our spirits. We can hear the voice of God through other people, through the gift of prophecy, the vocal gifts of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and those kinds of things. Earlier, we had tongues and interpretation. We were hearing, we believe, from the Lord. Fourthly, we can hear from God's creation Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. I believe God speaks through his creation. He speaks through dreams and visions. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 and then Acts chapter 2 verse 17. In the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. That doesn't mean old in the sense of growing old with gray hair and growing old in years. It has to do with maturity in the Lord. God will give dreams to us in the name of Jesus. Joseph, Solomon, Pharaoh, Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar all dreamed in the Bible. And you remember God used Joseph to interpret those dreams. See, a man's gift makes room for him. And he thought he was forgotten. He thought that his life was on the wrong course in prison, but right there in prison, his gift made room for him, and it set him before Pharaoh. And in one day, he went from the prison to being the prime minister. Only God can do something like that. You may feel like you're in a hard place right now. You might feel like a lot has been against you in this last year, but I've come to tell you, in one day, your gift can make room for you. In one day, the favor of God can come into your life and change your circumstances. Hallelujah. He speaks through angels, messengers in the Bible. 
circumstances or experiences. He speaks sometimes in an audible voice. I can't say that I've heard the audible voice, but I've heard God's voice so loud that I thought it was audible. I remember there was a time the Lord spoke to me, and I looked around in the room to see who, who in the world, what was that? Now, I don't know if that was audible or not, but listen, notice what happened when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan and he come out. The Bible said the heavens opened and the Lord spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then he, he can speak in many ways. So we are to pray, to seek after, I believe, and value prophetic direction. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says, call to me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things you do not know. The Hebrew word there for that word mighty can be translated as secret or inaccessible things. In the Amplified Bible, it says fenced in, hidden things. See, God's got things that have been hidden that he wants to reveal to you. There's a scripture, Beth wrote a prayer on it some time ago about hidden riches. There are hidden riches in the glory of God that are yet to be experienced. I'm going to tell you, we've only scratched the surface. Sometimes we think, well, we're Pentecostals and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and we have a prayer language and we speak in tongues. We've arrived. I'm telling you, that's just a new beginning when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have nowhere near close to arrive. There are things in God that we've not yet experienced or tasted. But I've come to tell you, this is the year that I believe many of us are going to step up to the plate. And we're going to have a greater revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Listen to Jeremiah 33.3 from the New Living Translation. Ask of me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets... You do not know about things to come. So what does God have to say about this coming year? And listen, if you, like me, I read prophetic things and I've listened to the different prophetic voices and what they're saying, and I don't discount those. See, if we're not careful, listen to this scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. So we have to pray and seek the Lord to find out what he's saying to us personally. What he's saying to us corporately. There are many voices. So we have to be careful to examine and judge every prophetic word. And I believe there are some instructions on how to do that. Number one, we're to value prophecy. Number two, we're to judge and test the words. Number three, we're to try the spirit and the motivation behind the words that are spoken. Don't let anybody manipulate you with prophecy. Thus saith the Lord, the Lord told me you'd give me all the money in your pocketbook today. What do we do with these words? Well, we pray these words back to the Father. 1 Timothy 1.18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare. I take the word of the Lord. See, now sometimes we get a word and we just say, well, I'm going to see if God's going to bring that to pass or not. What are you doing with it? You take that word and you pray it back to the Father. And if you pray it back to the Father, the first thing you're going to get is the very opposite. Because the enemy wants to get you, he wants to knock you off the path. Hallelujah. And there are times when I felt like getting off the path. There are times when I wanted to stop being on the path. But something down on the inside of me says, don't quit. Don't give up. You're at the door. You're at the brink of the breakthrough. I've come to tell you this is going to be a year that we're going to experience some breakthroughs in the name of the Lord. We pray them back to the Father. And let's remember what prophecy is for. The Bible says that prophecy is for our exhortation, our edification, and our comfort. Prophecy is never meant to tear you down. Prophecy is never meant to condemn you. Prophecy is never meant to manipulate you. But it's meant to touch you. Last year we called that the year of the open door, the year of the door. 
We talked a lot about the door last year. I believe it was a time to move and secure every open door. And for many, it was a difficult year. How many of you experienced some difficulties last year? I'm telling you, starting on Labor Day in September, I was painting out front, and I hurt my arm for some reason. And I thought, man, why is my arm hurting? And from that time until now, it's just been little things that have just come. And I was praying and thinking on that the other day, and the Lord reminded me that we planted a church down here. Now, sometimes you just don't realize even what you preach. And it dawned on me, this is the enemy coming against us. We're, we're taking territory from the devil. Listen, the most effective way to win new people to Jesus is to plant churches. And the devil hates new churches. He's not too crazy about old churches, but he hates new churches. And from, since we started that process, it's like one battle after another battle after another battle after another battle. And it just dawned on me. It's been the enemy trying to keep us from, and just little obstacles, uh, aggravating things. And it's just been the enemy trying to keep us. But praise God, that thing is open for the glory of God. That's an open door. I got to looking back at our notes last year. 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, A great and effective door is open to me, but there are many adversaries. So we had to battle at the door at the gate. So I'm praying about this year. I started examining the Hebrew year, which is 5779, the year of Ayantet. It is a year to write your vision and make it plain. It is a year to allow God to form a new wineskin. Mark chapter 2, verse 22, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine bursts. At the wineskins, the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined, but the new wine must be put into new wineskins. Listen to me. When it talks about new wineskins in the New Testament, it's not talking about just taking a brand new wineskin. What they did is they took the old wineskins and they would soak those things in water and they would put, put oil in those things and they would renew that wineskin. Listen, I want my wineskin renewed. Soak me in the water of your word and cover me with oil. Let the oil of your anointing flow over me let fresh oil come today so that I can bring forth the new wine skin so that I can hold the new wine when you see new wine in the New Testament it's talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit God wants to bring the new wine but we have to be vessels that can receive it bring forth that new wine skin it's a year to give birth to the vision of God 2018 was a year to move through the open door one of the key verses for last year was Revelation 4:1. He says, come up higher, and I will show you things which must take place after this. This door was a door of revelation. And this year we must allow God to form our new wineskin so we can receive the outpouring of new wine. Last week, the Lord spoke these words to me about this year, and it's just very simple. GPS. GPS. I believe there are a number of things that God is saying about this year, but I'm just going to give you three off of these three letters. What is GPS. GPS stands for Global Positioning System. And I read this definition. GPS helps you determine exactly where you are. I, I can look, that little blinking light right there. That's telling me on my GPS on my phone, you're at 17 First Street. And it's going to take 14 minutes to get home. 14 minutes to get home. As a matter of fact... This thing now with this new software, it tells me where my car is parked. Global positioning system. It helps you determine exactly where you are, but sometimes it's important to know how to get somewhere else. The purpose of prophetic ministry is to help you determine exactly where you are. And two, to help you get to your next destination. 
This is referred to as forthtelling and foretelling. Forthtelling is communicating the mind of God for the present. Often the past will be used to deal with the present. This will include such things as exhortation, reproof, warning, edification, and comfort. Foretelling is in the form of prediction. The prophet speaks for God, communicating his mind for the future. And often both the past and the present will be used to deal with the future. And many times the purpose of prophetic prediction was to produce present godliness. I love the words of Amos 3.7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And we must remember that we know in part, and we prophesy in part. When God gives us something, he's only given us a small part of that. We don't have the whole picture. Why? We walk by faith and not by... I've got three minutes and 30 minutes of message. The GPS, let's, let's listen to this a minute. How does it work? It operates through 24 orbiting satellites that are orbiting the earth. It's owned by the United States government. Actually, the military put it up. One source I read said that now there's upwards of 31 satellites. And these satellites are continually updated by the United States government. The global positioning system was developed for the military and it was later opened up to civilians. The first GPS unit I had, it was a big old square looking box. You remember them big square TVs we had? That's what it looked like. Cost about $400. You can buy them now for $69 on Amazon. But they, in those days they were like, four, my brother bought it. He brought a couple of them, he gave me one. And I had that thing, it was a big old thing, square looking and it set up on the thing and it would fall off every so often. And it was a good GPS. It only took me to some empty fields and a dirt road about three times. <laughs> the signal is beamed by radio waves down to a receiver. For accuracy, the signal is triangulated. I'll let some of these mathematicians tell you about triangulation. The satellites have atomic clocks for accuracy. It's programmed in there. And the receivers such as this little receiver, and now this has a, a GPS in it, this watch. They have an almanac programmed into them. I want you to think about that. Atomic clocks for accuracy, and the receivers have an almanac programmed into them. Why is that? Well, number one, we receive our directions from above. We receive our instructions from the God who reigns above time. He's the great chronographer of the ages. Colossians 3.1. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Why is there an almanac programmed into the receiver? When a GPS receiver has current almanac data in memory, it can acquire satellite signals and determine initial position quickly. The GPS almanac includes GPS clock calibration data and data to correct for distortion that is caused by the ionosphere. Listen to this. The almanac contains information about the status of the satellites and approximate orbital information. The GPS receiver uses the almanac to calculate which satellites are currently visible. This little unit in my watch probably has an almanac in, in my phone and it can connect with the 
the closest and the quickest satellite, that satellite will download the, rev, the, the, the information and I can immediately know this is right where I'm at. And then I'll plug in. I want to go to Washington, D.C., and it'll give me how many hours it'll take me to get there. It'll give me the estimated time of destination, and it will give me turn-by-turn directions on how to get there. What's happened is now there are GPS units in Google Maps, Apple Maps, in your smartphones, and, and, and these that we used to have are, are almost obsolete anymore. I asked my wife to get me one for Christmas because I get tired of using my smartphone all the time. And with Verizon, I only have a block of data. And every so often, I go over my data, and I have to pay them a lot of money. And I thought it'd just be cheaper to buy one of those GPSs. But what that has done is that has rendered. I mean, remember road atlases. How many of you remember maps? You go into the service station, I'm going to get me a map. And your husband is driving and you're reading the map. I think we're right here. And that got replaced by a thing called MapQuest. And you would go online and say, here's where I'm at, here's where I'm going, and you would print out the directions. And I remember driving through Baltimore and I'd have somebody, he'd be driving and I'd be saying, okay, right up here we got to turn. we got to look for, for 4th Street. And we'd be looking for 4th Street. Now you can just drive along and that thing will say, in one mile, turn right. Now, if you've got a redneck GPS, <laughs> it won't say in one mile, turn right. It'll say, go up to the Walgreens and hang a right. <laughs> now, mine will say, take a slight right. And I think, what in the world is a slight right? <laughs> I have Siri. Siri and I don't have a good relationship because Siri don't understand southern accents. Can I preach on a minute? GPS. I believe we've entered a time when we're going to experience the suddenlies of God. Everybody say suddenly. Now let me define that. James Gold defines these suddenlies. He says... When the fullness of time meets the fullness of preparation, it creates a culture and an atmosphere of when the God of the suddenly appears. God's not just going to show up and say, oh, I, you look pretty good today. Bam, suddenly. No, no. Man, I've been believing. I've been praying. I've been crying out to God. And when I least expect it, suddenly God shows up. And as Beth said earlier, we're amazed. We've been praying for it. We've been asking God for it. And when he does it, we're still shocked. That's because he's so amazing. He's so awesome. Hallelujah. Somebody give God praise. What is God saying for this year? I'm going to give you three things real quick. G, this is a year of the goodness of God. If I had to title this year, I'd call it a year of contrast. And you'll understand that in a moment. A year of contrast. It's a year to refine your vision. And I'm going to talk about vision and what that means in the next few weeks. What does it mean to have a vision? You ought to have a vision for your life. You ought to have a vision for your family. And we use that word dream and vision interchangeably. We're going to have to write it, make it plain, let God refine it. Let God get it just right this year. Because this is a year to give birth to that thing. It's a year to allow them to form the new wineskin so we can realize that thing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalms 34, 8. It's a year to taste and see that the Lord is good. We serve a God who's good. 
Listen, no matter our circumstances or our difficulties, God is good. It's the goodness of God, Romans 2, 4, that brings us to repentance. I believe God wants to experience his goodness this year. In his goodness, God is going to bless us. God has plans to bless and increase you this year. God wants to overwhelm you with his blessings this year. This is my year to receive the blessings of God. And listen, God loves his children, and he loves to lavish blessings on us. And what we have to do is we have to stop saying, I'm so unworthy. I'm not worthy of his blessings. And we need to say, I'm a child of the king. Hallelujah. I have an inheritance in heaven. He's my source, and I'm going to receive those blessings. If your father showed up at your house with a brand new car with a red bow on top of it and said, I'm giving you this new car, you wouldn't say, oh, no, I'm not taking that, Daddy. My daughter would be in that car and out the door and gone. She'd receive it with joy. If I had to title this year, I'd call this a year of joyful increase. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says the joy of the Lord is our strength. The reason some of us' strength is abated is because the enemies come to rob us of our joy. But if you'll get in his presence, if you'll fast and pray and get in his word, the joy of the Lord will begin to rise up you in a new way. And when the joy of the Lord rises up in you in a new way, the strength of God will manifest in your body and you will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Stay in joy. Stay in joy. Let God overwhelm you with his goodness. This is a year of preparation. It's a year to get prepared for an outpouring of God's spirit. Secondly, P, it's a year of positioning. It's a year of positioning. I'm moving through these real quick for the sake of time. How many of you felt a transition in your life? I said that yesterday and 31 people raised their hands. You felt like something's going to change, some transition. You feel like you've been in transition. Somebody asked me one day, how long have you been in transition? I said 56 years. Ever since I came out of my mama's womb, amen, I've been in transition. This is a year to be positioned for the harvest. John 4, 34 and 35, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. The fields are already white to harvest. This will be more than just a year of transition. How many of you have dreams and visions and things you believe God has called you to do, but you've been able to move into them? Some of you have been so discouraged and such heaviness has been against you. You thought, man, I don't even know if I'll ever move into all that God has for me. Come on, I've been there. Expect movement this year. There will be new assignments and resurrection of dreams that have died. I believe this year we're going to be positioned to see the culmination of transition. This is not a year of transition. This is a year of the culmination of transition. On November 26, I attended a men's conference called Reload in Orlando, Florida. And the leader of Trail Life, I need to look up his name. And he defined transition. Listen to this. He says, when we embrace both the wonder and terror about, of transition. And then he gave this definition. Transition is what you used to do and it's not working anymore. But what you're doing isn't working yet either. What I used to do is not working. Now here's what we do. We keep doing the same things over and over and over again and expect different results. But what I'm doing is not working because I'm in transition. The wonder and the terror. Let me tell you about transition. Transition is a stressful place because we have to let go of what is safe, what is secure, 
People who start new businesses, they have to quit a job. They get a paycheck every week on that job. And they have to go out into the unknown not knowing, am I going to make it in this business? Is this business going to prosper? I, I have to be willing to let go of the security of where I am right now in order to bra embrace where God is taking to me. And in that transition between those two places, there's a lot of stress. That's why we resist change. Now in church, we love when the preacher preaches about change. But then when we change, everybody says, wait a minute, that's not what we meant. Transition is crossing over to a new place or passing from one condition to another. Transition is passing through a narrow place. The narrow place is where the paths we are used to walking suddenly become more confined and precarious. Let me just give you a pattern of transition. You start to feel a disconnect with where you are. You can't explain it. You don't understand why. You just, something's disconnected. I just, it's not what it used to be. Nothing's wrong. I'm not mad at anybody. I love where I'm at. I've been comfortable where I'm at, but you feel a disconnect where you are. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? That's how you know this is transition. Here's the good news about transition. There is an ending to transition. We're being positioned for harvest. A lot of you transitioned this year. Some of you retired. Times when we feel like captives in these transitional times. But listen, listen to Jeremiah 29, 10 through 12. Because this is the end of Israel's captivity in Babylon. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years of completing it Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Listen, and here we quote the scripture. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But then verse 12 gives the results of the end of this captivity. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. We're being positioned and we're coming to the culmination of transition. The last part of this message is S, G-P-S, the goodness of God. But this is a year of contrast. In the midst of the goodness of God, S represents storms. It's going to be a stormy year this year. I wish I could tell you that, that everything's going to settle down this year. But listen, it's going to be a chaotic year. The division is going to grow greater. The lines are going to be defined even greater. Even in the church, there's going to be a dividing line. It's going to be chaos. You're going to hear things in the news. And listen, if you watch 24-7 news, you'll find yourself angry, discouraged, and depressed. And it's sensational, and it's meant to engage you in buying a new Chevrolet or buying soap. And I'm not saying don't watch the news. We have to know what's going on in the world. But the news has a perspective and a bend. We have to hear from heaven. And be careful. Be careful how you... Get involved in this. Don't get drawn in. Listen to me. Hear me if you don't hear anything else I say. Don't get drawn in to the division that's in our land. Don't get drawn into it. We take sides. We vilify. Call them the enemy. God's called you and I to have the ministry of reconciliation. And when I get drawn down into the accusations, and I'm spouting out accusations... And look, we're all passionate. We all have our political opinions about things. We all have our beliefs about things. I'm not, I'm not trying to deter that, but I'm trying to tell you is don't get drawn into the trap of the enemy where I start accusing one another and we start releasing accusations because he's the accuser of the brethren. And what we've done is we've opened the door to the enemy and we've joined with the accuser of the brethren. And now we're moving in the way the enemy works instead of the way God works. Speak life, speak hope, speak deliverance, pray in the spirit, lift up your voices and declare in the name of the Lord. There may be a storm brewing, but Jesus is inside this boat. And in a little while, he's going to step up on the bow of the boat and say, peace, be still. Stay in joy. 
Stay in joy. Stay in the eye of the storm. There's safety in the eye of the storm. There's peace in the eye of the storm. And there's revelation in the eye of the storm. Let me close with this verse, Nahum 1-7. I love this. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust him. It don't matter what happens in the world. God's on the throne. If God be for me, now I want the right people in the White House. I want the right people in office. I want righteousness to rule our land. We're to pray and intercede for our nation. But the storms are going to come this year. That's why you've got to know who you are. You've got to know where you are when the storms or clouds are blowing. You remember Peter and those out on the lake? And the Bible said that the wind came up. Listen, they knew that lake. They knew those winds. They braved many storms. But the enemy brought a storm. And in the midst of that storm, they saw somebody walking towards that boat. They said, is that a ghost? Is it a spirit? But as they looked a little closer, they said, no, it's Jesus. See, many times in the storm, we don't recognize him at first. But he come walking, and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And the Lord said, come, and Peter stepped out. And Peter walked on the water till he looked at the waves, and he saw the wind, and he saw the storm. And the Bible said he began to sink. This is a man that knew how to swim. If you read the book of John, when he saw Jesus on the shore, he took off all his clothes, dove into the lake, and swam to the shore. Yet he's sinking and Jesus had to reach down and get him. What's the lesson? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Some of us are going to be tested this year. Storms are going to come. But keep your eyes on Jesus. And you can walk on the water with him. Hallelujah. He'll bring you through the storm. Stand with me.